Welcome to Other People's Lives. I'm your host, Joe Santagato. I'm your host, Greg Dybeck. I really don't know how tonight's going to play out. <laughs> we never do. We don't, but this episode Sometimes episode's... we think we know, and then we start an episode, we're like, well, this is not what the fuck I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I also just said tonight, I don't know what time it is when you guys are listening to this, but it's nighttime now. Yeah. Uh, but this episode, admittedly, is a little different than what we usually do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of on the intense side. Um, we do do intense sometimes, though. Yeah, but once I read this subject line. subject line, I think people understand just how intense. But, you know, we're, what are we, close to 30 episodes in... Like, you know, we, we got to try some things. Yeah. You know, see what happens. But uh, we received an email that truly caught our eyes. Mm. Uh, the subject line read, my father has been in prison for 26 years for killing a child molester. Okay. Exactly. Well, Jesus, <laughs> this is going to be heavy. It's going to be one of the heavy ones. I'm telling yeah. you right now. Uh, the email read, hi, I'm not sure if this would interest you, but I think it's pretty interesting. It's a pretty interesting story. My dad shot a man after he found out the 30 something year old man propositioned me, a nine year old girl. There is a lot more to the story and I would really like to be able to tell it and let it be heard by your listeners. Uh, I don't know. This, this isn't like one of those episodes where it's obviously a fetish or a lifestyle, but I don't know. It just, it struck me as just one of those stories where, you know, kind of the reason we started the show, you pass someone on the street, you do not know what their story is. You just have no idea what has happened in their life. And this is just, you know, this just seems like, uh, just a crazy thing to have experienced in, in your life. Yeah. I, uh, you know, this is this is gonna be this is gonna be interesting. So I wonder what she means by propositioned because yeah. like I wonder how far it got. It had to have gone pretty far if this guy fucking shot him. You would think, but yeah. I don't know. Damn. I don't even wanna let's just let's just call. Let's just find out. I don't wanna I don't wanna assume. Let's just call and uh find out what's up. Hello. Hey, how's it going? This is Greg and Joe. How are you? Sorry so- for all the inconveniencing. No, it's all good. Wow, I love your southern accent already. It's very southern. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no don't know. This is awesome. I wish I spoke to more people with southern accents. <laughs> so we just read your email, and uh, you know, from what I gather, we haven't spoken to you yet. Uh, you told us that your father's been in jail for. Uh, about 26 years because he shot a man, shot and killed a man who uh, propositioned you, as you put it. What, what exactly does that mean, by the way? What is What did he do when you were well, nine years old? Okay, well, thankfully, memory does not, um, my memory, I don't remember exactly what he said to me, um, but... Um, he told me that um, basically what he wanted to do to me sexually. It was very aggressive, um, very explicit. 
um, I remember at the time I, I had no knowledge of what, you know, I didn't know what he was telling me, but I knew it was wrong. Um, it's, it's, it's a long story. Um, my dad, when I was young, my dad was a drug addict and he and my mom were divorced. Um, he was with a lady that was 22 years younger than him. So my dad was in his 40s and she was 21, 22. So the man basically told me that the same age difference between my dad and his lived-in girlfriend was the same between us. But, I mean, I was, I was nine. So uh, he told me it wouldn't be anything wrong with it because it was the same age difference. And um, he had his hand on my leg while he was telling me that. But uh, we were in my home. So I got up and I ran to my bedroom and I locked the door and I stayed there until I heard my dad come home. How did, how did you know this guy? Well, that's the bad thing. Uh, he was there doing drugs with my dad's girlfriend. Mm. Did your dad know this guy previously? Um, he knew him, but they weren't friends. Um, Dad, my dad knew that he wasn't a good person. And, um, I mean, even though my dad, like I said, he was a drug addict, he was a good person. He wasn't, you know, he he certainly would have never let this man around us. Right. So this is just, as far as you know, just sort of a stranger that's just in your home using drugs at the time. Right. This was my first, well, first and only time really being around him. And this was happening when your father wasn't around? Right. He, um, my dad was at work. He owned a record service, and so he was at work, and I was there with his girlfriend. My sister is four years older than me, so at the time she was 13 or had already turned 14, and she was with some friends. So it was just me, my dad's girlfriend, and the man. Um, not to sidetrack too much from the story, but just trying to paint the scene was this a situation where at the time you knew what was going on? Like where the, was it pretty open that people were in your home using drugs? Um, well, the only drug that I was ever around, which, you know, no drug is good, but I was only around, uh, them smoking pot. Um, I found out as a teenager or an adult that he was actually there smoking crack with my, I'll call her stepmom because I don't know what else to call her. Right. Okay, um, so you were just like out, was this like out in the living room, like that he just like grabbed your leg, was it in front of your dad's girlfriend, did she see anything? Um, she was actually in, it was a, um, like a, a trailer, and she was in the back, um, either in the bathroom or in the laundry room, I'm not sure, and, um, I came out of my room, he was, he was already in the house, and he was sitting there, and I came out of my room, and I sat down in the living room and turned the TV to cartoons, and um, because you now my sister and I, we were, you know, we were the ones that ruled that house. We did what we wanted, no matter who was there. Um, and so I just came in and turned the TV and sat down, and no one, it was just me and him in there. And he got up and sat beside me and started telling me sexual things. Okay, and then you said that you ran and to your room and closed the door. Did he try to come after you, or he just like 
he just stayed where he was? Um, no, he didn't. That was the end of it. Um, I didn't tell anyone. Um, I didn't, I felt like, you know, I had done something wrong, you know, and I, I thought, you know, that I was going to get in trouble. So I went in my room and I locked the door and I stayed there, like I said, until my dad came home and I didn't open, I did not tell a single soul for a couple of months probably went by. Um, what so was the reason why that, that I'm sorry. What was the reason why you ended up telling your your father, which I'm assuming did you you were the one who kind of broke it to him like, "Oh, by the way, this guy was like, you know, being weird with me." Um, no, I didn't. Uh I told um my stepmother's mom. Um like I said, my dad was uh owned a record service and uh I wanted to go to her house. And um and stay instead of staying with my stepmom because I mean I was I was scared to stay there with her by myself anymore. I didn't know what you know she might let happen. Um, so I went and stayed with her mom, and it just so happened that the man lived across the road from her, and he had a little girl, and she was I think she was seven. With the and, same um, man, and when you say little girl, you mean his daughter? Yes. So his he daughter. just happened to live across the street? Well, his wife, his ex-wife, let me say ex-wife, because they were not married. Okay. Um, so uh, when I went to stay, and, and, and then my, my, like I said, my dad didn't know anything about it, so he would have never let me go over there if he had known. Well, uh, when she got home... Um, the lady asked me, you know, do you, the girl, did I want to go play with the little girl? And I said, no, ma'am, I don't, I don't want to go to her house. And she said, well, I don't have any toys here. You know, I told her you were coming, and they said you could come over and play. And I said, well, no, ma'am, I don't, I don't want to go to her house. And I, she just, she kept asking me. And so finally, I just, I broke down. I started crying, and I told her what had happened. And she was the only person I had told. Um, so... Uh, that day, um, she went over and she spoke with his ex-wife and she said, well, no, he's not home. Um, so the woman told me that it would be okay. I could go play with the little girl. And if her dad came home, I could come back to her house. So I said, okay. And so I went over and I played with the little girl. And the reason that I say he's a child molester, but I've known, I've, I've found out other things as an adult, um, while we were playing with the little girl, and this is something I will I will never forget, um, I told her, I said, now, when your daddy comes home, I'm going to go back over across the road. I don't want to be here. And she said, well, well, why? And I said, well, I'm scared of him. And she said, well, did he hurt you too? Jeez. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know for a fact, but... I mean, everything in me believes that that he was molesting her. Wow, that's terrible. So yeah, uh, your stepmom's mother is the one that told your father. Um. Yeah. So we went. Um. We were over at her house playing, and he came home. So we came back across the road. She came with me, and then she said, "Well, let's just go. We can go in my backyard." and jump on the trampoline. Um, 
my dad doesn't come outside, you won't have to be around him. I mean, it wasn't in those words, but that's basically what she said. So we went, and we were jumping on her trampoline, and my dad pulled up in his wrecker. He was hauling cars. And uh, so I heard him, and we ran back across the road. Well, you know, I was I was nine. She was seven. I started saying, you know, Daddy, can, can she come spend the night with me? And he said, well, I don't know. We'll have to go talk to her mama. He said, go back over there and get your shoes. And then come back and we'll talk to her mom. I said, okay. I came back. My dad was standing beside the wrecker and the stepmother's mom was standing there. And I walked up, me and the little girl, and daddy said, um, he said, did this happen? And he told me basically what I had told her. And I started crying. Uh, I was a very, I still am an emotional person. So I started crying, and he got down on his knee, and he was like, you need to tell me, did he do this to you? And I said, yes, Daddy, he did. So my dad got up. He said, you stay right there. And he looked in the wrecker, and, of course, there's a gun. So he got the gun, and he started walking towards their house. And um, I screamed and crying, ran out in the road, Daddy, Daddy, what are you doing? You know, why do you have a gun? And he said, you stay there with her and I'll be back. So he went in the room, he went in the house and he didn't knock. I, I could see him. He didn't knock on the door. He just opened the door and he walked in. Felt like a year went by, probably five minutes. And I heard a gunshot. Well, I just kind of hit my knees and I did not know if, my dad or her dad was going to come out alive. I, I didn't know. So I was just screaming, screaming for my dad. And um, just a few, uh, another minute or two went by, and my dad came out. And um, as he was walking up, I said, Daddy, what happened? And he said, I shot him, get in the truck, and let's go. And when I looked over at her, she was smiling. I swear she had a smile on her face. Wow. And so I got in the, I got in the truck with my dad and, and we went home. Um, I wasn't in there, so I don't know, but I do know that in 26 years, my dad's story has never changed. He has he has stuck to his same story. Whereas during the trial and now we go to parole hearings, um, during all of that, the ex-wife, her story changes just about every time. But Daddy's story was that he went in and the man was sitting in the chair. And so Daddy, it was a revolver. And Daddy caught the gun and he grabbed him by the shirt and he stuck the gun in his mouth. And he told him, you MFR, <laughs> um, I'm going to try really hard not to cuss, just in case my dad ever gets out and gets to listen to this. Um, if you ever talk to or touch my child again, I will blow your brains out. And he was, you know, threatening him. And um, the man's wife, ex-wife, walked in the room and she said, what the hell are you doing in my house? Get out of my house. And my dad looked up at her and basically told her it doesn't concern you, go away.
And when he did that, the man grabbed his hand with the gun, yanked it out of his mouth, and was raising it up towards the ceiling away from him. And the gun went off. And it shot him, I think, just over his right eyebrow and shot him in the head. Um, forensics, and I've read the transcripts, uh, forensics show that it was within two inches where he shot him. He was within two inches. Um, her story is basically the same, but when she came in, that Daddy uncocked the gun, took it out of his mouth, walked, hit him. at one point he hit him in the head, and it's another thing she's, she's told at different times, and that my dad walked to the front door, opened the door, and then turned around and shot him, where forensics shows that it was within two inches. So, I don't know, but. So wait, did you say that? So you did your dad shoot this guy, or did he? The gun got wrestled away from him. Well, no, he had. It was in my dad's hand. Right. And and my dad's finger was on the trigger. Right. But my dad, to this day, swears that he did not just shoot him; that he was threatening him. That oh. he had no intention of shooting him. And the guy was like wrestling the gun away from him, and then the gun kind of just went off. That yeah. Wow. I think I am. And when the judge, when the lawyer or the judge, I can't remember which in the transcripts asked, if you had no intention of shooting him, why did you cock the gun? And Daddy said, "Well, have you ever tried to threaten a man?" With a gun, and it wasn't caught. Hmm. So, I, I don't know. Wow. So, I guess after these events unfolded, what happened? You you mentioned you kind of left off that you got in the the truck with your dad. Uh, when did the police get involved? Uh, when did he get arrested? Kind of what what were the events to follow? Okay, so we went, um, we drove like crazy. Daddy was just flying down the road, and um, the whole time, you know, I was crying, I was upset, and he was reassuring me that I was going to be okay, that the man would never touch me again, um, and that, you know, that Daddy would, would protect me and everything, and, and that um, that Mama would come get me, because I, I lived with my mom, but I spent every weekend, and I this was during the summer, so I spent half the summer with my dad. Um, so we got to my dad, and he came in, and my sister was at a, a ball game, at a football game. And so my dad told the stepmom what had happened and everything, and he was throwing stuff in a bag. And his first, you know, he ran. I mean, he, he did. He didn't just stick around to get arrested. He ran. Um, he stayed in hiding in the woods from what I've been told I think it was two days maybe three days and then finally I mean he was in contact with us by phone there was a manhunt for him I remember that um and uh, we got him a lot they got him a lawyer and um he and his lawyer went to the police station and turned his he turned himself in um I want to say it was two or three days 
Wow. I am very speechless for like the first time on the show. Yeah, this yeah, is it, it's, it's crazy. It is. <laughs> and it seems like you have such vivid memories for being so young, which sort of leads me to believe how traumatizing, you know, this, this could have been. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very, very, very traumatizing. Um, I, you know, it's one thing, like as a kid, um, my dad was a, loved guns. I mean, he was just a gun enthusiast and I could shoot a chestnut out of a tree with a gun at eight years old. Um, it took me until I married my husband last year um, to ever touch a gun after that. I mean, it just, you know, someone would bring out a gun and I would run. I would go to another room, wow. leave the house, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's changed over the years or you've obviously had a, have had a lot of time to consider it. I mean, what is your stance on your dad's actions? Obviously, you know, it seems like um, he was out of love and he was protecting you. Um, but, you know, how, how yeah, do you feel about all of it? There, of course, I don't. I, I would never condone killing someone. You know, that's not, I, I don't believe. And, and I guess with my dad being in prison, I, I don't believe in capital punishment. I don't believe in the death penalty. Um, but I feel like that he probably saved the daughter. And I don't know how many other little girls that he saved from being molested but of course I don't condone it but I mean you know I believe that everything happens for a reason and there had to be a reason for it to happen mm -hmm. um, there are a few other things like uh, a lady has told my dad they were having a get together at her house and this man was there and she had two young daughters and uh, it was in the winter, so uh, they had a space heater, and it was only in the living room and then in their bedroom. So they had moved the uh, the twin-size bed into her room, and her two daughters were in there. And it was a, a get-together, I'm sure, drinking and drugs. And the man had the man that Annie killed, that he had got up to leave, and he left. And then she said, you know, 10 minutes later, they heard something in the back of the house and they went, it was in the bedroom. They heard it where the daughters were asleep and they went and he was climbing through the windows into the room with her daughters. Jesus. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he was divorced from his wife. Um, I've been told my whole life by various people, he beat her. He beat the children. He also had a, a four-year-old son. No, a three-year-old son. And the worst part of, of what happened that day is the three-year-old son witnessed it. He was in his high chair, and he witnessed it. Wow. Oh, um, God. But uh, he would beat her. He would beat the children. Um, his stepson has come forward and talked with my sister that, you know, he, he witnessed the abuse. He was there during the abuse. Um, he would take, she was on food stamps. I remember this from when I was nine. She was on food stamps and the man would, would take her means of feeding his two children 
and go and trade it for drugs. I mean, he was he was horrible. And um, they will, we've been to seven or eight parole hearings. Um, they will come to everyone and they act like he was a saint that, that, you know, I mean, this wonderful person was killed. They try to say that it was premeditated. And, but yeah, my dad was convicted of premeditated murder. He was, he was convicted of murder one. Um, but in the transcript, when the DA told the jury the definition of murder one, which is premeditated murder, he told them murder one and then gave them the definition to manslaughter, which is a crime of passion. Mm -hmm. Right. So the jury, and it's in the transcript, so when the jury convicted, they convicted my dad of a crime of passion, but they convicted him of premeditated murder. Is there any chance that he'll get out? I wish I wish I could say yes, but um it's just a matter of par- parole hearings, I guess at this point. Yeah. We just had the last one November the 7th. So, um I wanted to contact y'all before. Um big big fan of both of y'all. Um I listened to all of the basement yard and I've listened to all of these. Um I wanted to contact y'all and tell my story, but I didn't want to do anything that would hurt my dad's chances of parole should someone hear it because I'm telling things. But I I don't think it's ever going to happen. Um, it might, but I doubt it. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, it sort of brings up, you know, another theme too uh, that we've never really spoken about on the show. You know, what is... What is that like growing up with a parent who is in prison? You know, as you how go often through. do you go visit him? Mm-hmm. Um, he has visitation, and it's twice a month. Um, as a child, I went every time they let us in. My my aunt, his sister, she took us religiously, and um, I'm glad she did because I did grow up knowing my dad. Um, but I grew up from day one and I still feel this way and my husband got so mad at me when I told him that if not for me opening my mouth this would never would have happened so therefore it's my fault that he's there and my thing once I became a teenager I got angry and um and I lashed out and I quit going to see him and then I I did that for a few years, and then I started seeing him. We, you know, a lot of things happened, and, and I reconciled with him. And I started back going to see him, but um, nowhere near as much as I, I need to. My sister goes all the time, um, which right now I'm a hospice nurse, and I work weekends. I work from Friday to Monday. Um, I'm on call 24-7 during that time, so I don't get to go see him very often um but it um i love seeing him i like you know every part of it i love seeing him i love spending time with him but when i have to walk out and i have to leave him there it tears me up i mean it it 
it rips my heart out every time. It's a really tough thing to have to deal with for a majority of your life. Yes. I have memories. Um, some are clear and some are not. Um, I have videos before he went away. Um, but the thing is, and, and like I said, my dad, he was, he was a drug dealer. He, I mean, drug addict. And he was an alcoholic. And um, they did things around me that never should have been done. I mean, even if I smoked pot, my child would never see that. But that was a way of life. Um, he's not. He's never used since he's been in prison. He's never been in trouble since he's been in prison. He's been in there for 26 years. He's never so much as gotten in a fight. Um, and I think 12 years ago, they finally got, um, he was a Jehovah's Witness for a long time when I was a, a teenager. And um, and he would try to convince us to be Jehovah's Witness and nothing against them, but that's just not what I believe. Um, and so he started with a, a Christian church that came in there. I think it's a Baptist church. And um, he turned his life over to God. And like I said, I mean, he's, he's been a model inmate for 26 years. And he's just, I don't know, had this happened, I really don't know how much longer, but, you know, I don't know if he would have died. I, I don't know what would have happened. Yeah, that that that's definitely an interesting point. And I mean, in a way, has it helped strengthen your relationship over time? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I um, like I said, other it, it was a few years there. I think about three years that I kind of rebelled uh, against him. Um, but other than that, yeah, we we've, we've got a great relationship, and he's got a great relationship. He's got. Um, my sister has two children. Uh, they go, one is 15 and the other, I think she's 11. Um, they actually choose to go, you know, visits on Saturdays and Sundays and they will give up going and doing something with their friends to go see their papa. And, um, but I don't, I have a, I have a 10 year old stepson and, um, he can't meet my dad because, He's not my child, so he will never meet him. Jeez. Yeah, we 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 said uh, you know before we called you, it's you this know, is gonna be an intense episode. Intense, and, we and yeah, and just a little different from you know what we normally do. But you know, we just kind of said it's just one of those stories where. It's a unique perspective because there's not a lot of people who go through something like this. Right. Especially in the way yeah. that it went down, you know. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, you know, I've, I don't know. It's unreal to me and I lived it, you know. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, we really appreciate you coming on and, and telling your story. It, You know, it takes a lot, especially something as like heavy as this. Yeah, I can't imagine that being easy to to share but to talk about yeah we really really appreciate you obviously going into that detail yeah. um you know just yeah just sharing that story well i thank y'all for letting me no problem uh you know i really hope everything works out and uh you know i'm sure you know a traumatic experience like that can only help you personally as far as making you stronger you know so uh right you know Good luck with everything, and thanks, thanks again. Yes, thank you all so much.
Have a good night. Okay. Before we get to our final thoughts, uh, we're going to get to the sponsors here. We have Dollar Shave Club. Uh, Dollar Shave Club makes products for your hair, face, skin, shower, everything you need. Uh, they have me looking and feeling amazing. Fun fact about Dollar Shave Club, this is the hair stuff that I use. I refuse to use anything else. Uh, the, what keeps my hair up, like the gel or whatever this is called, hair pomade. I don't know what that means, but uh, they sell this thing called Boogie's Pacific. Uh Great product. Loved it. Uh, I actually got introduced to it because my older brother, Thomas, uses Dollar Shave Club. And I used his hair thing one time. I was like, what, what is this? What is this shit? And then he told me. And then now I have a membership. Um, but yeah, they use the finest premium ingredients and they deliver to you just like they do their razors. That means no more annoying trips to the store, cruising up and down aisles, looking at a shelf upon upon shelf, thinking, what the hell is that? What do I like? There's a bunch of stuff in these aisles. Like, what am I doing with this stuff? Um, but I use Dollar Shave Club for just about everything. Anything, if I'm in the bathroom, it's, it's Dollar Shave Club. Um, I want you to love Dollar Shave Club as much as I do. So I've arranged for you to try your first month of their best razor along with travel size versions of Shave Butter, Shave Butter, Body Cleanser, and yes, even butt wipes. Okay? Butt wipes. For just five bucks, by the way. You get butt wipes, some Shave Butter, Body Cleanser, Razors, yeah, five bucks. After that, replacement cartridges ship for like a few bucks a month, but that's you know that's fine. Uh, it's the DSC starter set. Get yours for just five dollars exclusive exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com/opl. That's dollarshaveclub.com/opl. And uh, I'm not kidding. This is the only hair stuff that I use. I literally buy like it in the fives. I buy five packets of it, and uh, and I buy that. But the shave butter, body cleanser, butt wipes. Dude, I got to get on this. Five bucks too. Are you kidding me? This is a steal. Go do it. Don't be dumb. Next up, we have eSight Eyewear. Uh, this is actually pretty crazy. Uh, eSight is a revolutionary device that lets the legally blind actually see. With these electronic glasses, the legally blind can see mobile, work for a living, study at school, and independently perform virtually all activities of their daily life, which is, this is crazy. Um, Time Time Magazine named eSight one of the world's best inventions of 2017. Registered with the FDA and inspected by Health Canada, this is a serious, serious item here. Uh, visit everyonedeservestosee.com to learn if this breakthrough technology will work for you or your loved one. So if you know anyone that is legally blind, uh, you can try out eSight. Go to everyonedeservestosee.com. What's better than that? Uh, but yeah. Anyway. I feel like I just walked out of a movie theater. Yeah, like... But Wow. That's a real life, which is crazy. <coughs> she told that story, like, pretty perfectly, too. Like, I felt like I was there. Yeah. But, dude, that's heavy shit, man. I mean... Does anyone really disagree with shooting a guy who does something like that? Like, I mean, uh, you know. You know what is not As fucked funny. up as that sounds, you know what I mean? But, like, at the end of the day, everyone's thinking in the back of your mind. You're not supposed to say that, especially in this political climate. But if someone molests a kid or, like, attempts to molest a kid and they get shot, you're kind of like, oh, well, all right, whatever. Yeah. I mean, in this case, I guess we, we, we really don't know what that guy did or didn't do other than what he did to her. But that's definitely, you know, a moral question 
that's out there. I recently rewatched randomly. Have you ever seen Gone Baby Gone? No. The like Ben Affleck directed it. Casey Affleck, the man, is in it. No, I haven't. Oh, you gotta watch it. But it's like that's kind of the premise of uh, you know, kids go missing and they f- end up. I mean, spoiler alerts, but it's from like 2008 or something. So, oh well. Uh, but they find he he ends up basically shooting a child molester that he finds that had a kid and actually ended up killing a kid and yeah it's just like you have to ask yourself that question like is that justified like you didn't have to kill him but you know everything that this guy did and again that's not totally related to this case because it seems like not all the details are out there and you know from her perspective this man who was shot and killed did not seem like a good guy um i don't know if we'll ever really know the I, details you know i'm i'm not like let's but i get i get what you're saying uh, let's, i'm not saying let's go kill all of them but in the event that someone does like is it justified is it justified i don't know is it like kind of do i kind of understand that though kind of yeah I mean, I'm, dude, I think I'm like a psycho. Like, if someone tried to molest my sister, I could kill them, like, without even blinking an eye. I mean, those two words together, it's just, like, it makes me shudder. I mean, any child molester, like, there's really, I don't know how much lower it gets. Yeah, I don't know. Like, than that. Yeah, that's, that's bad. Um, yeah. What a fucked up fucking world. Yeah. For her too, like to be a nine year old, it's so circumstantial. I mean, I, I know she had that moment where she almost felt like it was her fault and you know, it's, yeah, man, that's fucking it's terrible. Uncontrollable that's, events. Yeah, that's not her fault, man. Um, Something like that I, happens I, I don't too think as so a, either. As a nine year old too, like dude, come on. That's that's not her fault fault, clearly. But you know, it's this is just like a wild situation. Like, there's not really anything for us to break down since it's kind of just like a story. <laughs> it's a it's story, just kind of yeah. Like, and I think that's what we meant. It's it's a little different. I mean, right? You know, it's we're not, not trying to talking understand. her through therapy. We're not. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's just kind of is it, it is what it is. And I didn't want to do that either when she was saying like, you know, I felt like it was my fault or something. Like I didn't want to be like, oh no, it's not or whatever. Even though I don't, I don't think that, but I. Right, right. It's yeah, but it's uh, no matter what, it's a super intense story. Uh, Obviously, takes a lot of courage to tell it. Crazy too that she waited until after the parole hearing. Yeah, just in case it got out there. Right. I guess people listen to our show. That's good, but (laughs) that's wild. It's it's like the just the fact that it's it's still going on, and you know those things could still affect him staying in or getting out of prison it's really crazy dude and just the thought of prison too like i don't know that's just a whole scary. other thing i mean yeah we gotta talk to a prisoner one day yeah we do do they get podcasts in prison <laughs> calling from the from the <laughs> prison phone that'd be super fucking dope if anyone out there uh gets arrested use your one phone call to call into <laughs> we'll set up a phone call <laughs> No, um, anyway, uh, guys, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Anigato. And uh, if you have something you want to share, a story, a unique anything, just go to OPLshow.com slash contact. 
send us an email if it works. We'll schedule something out. And uh, yeah, we'll do the interview. And Greg? Uh, you can find me at, I was about to say, at OPL Show. Um, I mean, kind of, you can. You can find the show at OPL Show. You can find me at Greg Dybeck. Uh, I got to say, Joe has a board game out. And he's shy and he doesn't want to talk about it, but I'm excited about it. Oh Speak out, Joe Santagato edition, <laughs> just in time for Christmas. Go check it out. It's a big deal. Congratulations. Yeah, it's, it's good. Thank you. I appreciate That's it. That's awesome. Thank you. Your face is on a board game. Yeah. It's like kinda, you're in Toys R Us right now. It's kind of ridiculous. Oh, RIP Toys R Us. Oh, yeah. Never mind. You're not in Toys R Us. You're in Walmart <laughs> or something. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's it. And thanks for listening.